Welcome to the October 27th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Gazzutti. Thank you very much for joining us. This is a big night for Colorado Inside Out all night. We just finished the Colorado Inside Out 25 Years documentary. We're doing our standard CIO right now. We'll have a devil's advocate later tonight right after the show all about the program again. And then we'll encore the documentary. So if you missed it, if you're just tuning in like, well, what documentary? Don't worry, we have you covered. Tune in at 9 p.m. for a special celebration of our 25 years. For right now, let's get a quick take on the direct Director of Colorado Transpor of Transportation, Shaylin Batt, announcing he'll be stepping down effective in November. Batt will be heading up a D.C.-based transportation organization as he moves forward. Patty Cahoon from Westward. So in one report I saw that because Governor Hickenlooper is a short-timer at this point, that this seems pretty normal. But CDOT's a pretty important position right now with all the different projects going on. What's your reaction to this news? Well, he had replaced Don Hunt, Hickenlooper's first transportation head. He came from a national post. That he's going back to a national post isn't a huge surprise. It looks like a good move for him, especially because who would want to be overseeing the start of the I-70 project, which is imminent? It is indeed. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, is, when we see a, a transition like this and big projects on the horizon, uh, are you worried or is it more about the staff that's probably going to be there regardless of the administration? I, I think the, the latter. And uh, certainly he has a lot of successes to his credit. He's got the U.S. 36 express lanes, the, uh, the mountain corridor on uh, what eastbound I-70 um, from roughly where U.S. 40 joins it up to uh, past Idaho Springs, and then an expansion, of another express lane on the northern part of I-25. His biggest failure was this busting uh, of, you know, a, a sub heavily subsidized bus to, like, Denver and Colorado Springs. This busting carries fewer people in a year than one single lane of an interstate carries in a day. Penfield Tate, an attorney with QTAC Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. Based on that experience as a lawmaker, is this kind of departure to be expected regarding where we're at in Governor Hickenlooper's term? Uh, you know, absolutely. I, I, when I noted that, first of all, congratulations to Shaylin, but um, this is a, a fellow who's pretty ambitious and he's got a career path in mind. So it's not at all surprising that, that he be one of the first of the, the cabinet officers to start leaving. You're going to see a steady exit between now and the end of the Hickenlooper administration. Um, most of the cabinet officers now won't be there to turn out the lights, is my guess. Um, they'll all flip into some other positions and move into the private sector or some other government position. Shaylin's just the first one to go, and, and he's probably the one with the fewest ties to Colorado. Mm -hmm. I mean, he came here from back east. He's going back east, um, and transportation's his area. So, yeah, well, we're going to continue to see this um, flipping over of cabinet officers. And David's right. What, what really matters is for a place like CDOT and others, the staff that remains is who you're really going to focus on now. 
Ramsey Scott joins us in the Aurora Sentinel. So uh, we're on the cusp of some pretty big projects for CDOT, but we're also on the cusp of probably a new governor, regardless of party, is going to bring in some new folks. Do you think we'll probably have an interim director between now and the end of 2018? I, I think so, in part because uh, Mike Lewis, the deputy, deputy executive director of CDOT, is going to be taking over uh, in November. And he's been with uh, CDOT since, I believe, 2015. Given that you've got, what, maybe 13 months left, who wants to take that job to begin with? Um, they're not going to be able to put a vision in. They know they'll be out of a job within 13 months. I see this as being left into the hands of Lewis, if only not just for political sort of realities of it, but you don't want to have someone come in when you're in the midst of all these projects. It just seems better to probably stay the course until Hickenlooper's done. Makes sense to me. The controversial City Park Golf Course Drainage Project cleared another legal hurdle this week following a Denver District Court judge ruling. Judge David H. Goldberg ruled on behalf of the city against activists who had claimed the plan to cut down close to 300 trees and shift the landscape was in violation of the city charter. Patty, we've been talking about the City Park uh, Golf Course plans for a long time. This seemed like, I guess it was quoted in the Post, as the green light. Uh, are activists done fighting this? Oh, no. They are definitely not done fighting this, and there still are some suits outstanding. Interestingly, that was the part about the city charter was only half of their argument. They brought in the I-70 project, and whether or not the city, with this $300 million project, was making it easier for CDOT and the I-70 project to avoid flooding where it's going to go underground, where they've got the lid on it. Um, so that was part of it, and the judge ruled that that really wasn't within the scope of what he could determine, that he could only d rule on the issues that involved had the, did, it, um, did the project go against city charter and city zoning, and he decided no. But this is just the start of the fight. I mean, Candy C. DeBaca, who is very, very involved in Ditch the Ditch, just got a big award as a, one of the 100 urbanists to watch. Um, there's another lawsuit still filed that they're waiting on, although th we, they did take a hit this week also from the EPA. I mean, from another judge, because their suit, the Sierra Club suit against the EPA on I-70 and clean air also got thrown out. Well, David, you're one of our two esteemed lawyers at the table. I, I guess for folks who don't follow all the details of the rulings, when they see something like this and they see a green light or legal hurdle, but there's other lawsuits out there, are we still a long way before legally Denver can start tearing up the golf course? No, they're going to start cutting down trees probably almost as we speak. You know, uh, as you said, well well over 200 trees. Some of them, some of them not that big. Some of them very old uh, are in their, their final days and better start making out their last will and testament. Um, as, as Patty said, the plaintiffs provided a lot of evidence that this whole thing is really pretextual uh, in terms of stormwater, in terms of what it purports to be and is really motivated by uh, the I-70 expansion and, for example, the, the city's master plan from 2014 before the I-70 expansion was on the table didn't have any see any need to do this stormwater project at City Park Golf Course. However, the judge said, well, it's not my place to consider pretext and, and what, what may lie behind it. I just consider whether within the four corners of what they're doing if, if it's legal. And he said that they've got a reasonable enough rationale because the Montclair Basin, one of the 20 drainage basins in, in Denver, uh, has increasing growth, you know, more hard surfaces, so less dirt to for water to drain into, and there's, there is a need for some, it's got a real serious need uh, in case of a 100-year flood for some place for the stormwater to go, and City Park is a good choice because it's at the lowest part of that basin. 
you said the, on the, in terms of it's true that the city charter prevents uh, parks being taken out of use without a vote of the people, but the judge said, well, having a golf course also be stormwater retention, the law gives the, the city the discretion uh, to, in, to do it that way, so that, that's all right. And then there was pro and con testimony about the redesign of the golf course itself, and the judge was more persuaded by the, the city's experts who seemed to have more personal familiarity with the course that this would actually, in, in pure golfing terms, be an improvement. So, Penn, we have, we've heard two different points of view. There's more suits to come. It's, the fight's not over. Uh, the other side, as David mentioned out, some of the trees are coming down probably soon, or as, as, as we speak, or at least soon thereafter. What do you think? Will there be action happening at the golf course, as in tearing things up, while these lawsuits are pending? Should people expect it not to be held back at this point? Uh, it, absolutely. City Park Golf Course is going to be shut down November 1st, and, and the city's going to start ripping it up. Uh, because, you know, part of what you want to do as the city is if you're bound and determined to do this, you want to get as much stuff underway as possible so that if at some point some court says stop, part of your defense is, well, we already started, and we're, we're midway. Um, the decision by Judge Goldberg is interesting in a couple of respects. First, and, and I agree with Patty why the, the fighting may not be over, but it's going to go in a different direction, because what the judge ultimately ruled is, as a matter of law, I have to give great deference to the administrative decision or the, the, the regulatory authority of the city and county of Denver. And he said basically, specifically, Happy Haynes. Under the city charter, she's the manager of Parks and Recreation. And he basically said, this may be the worst idea in the world, but it's within her prerogative to exercise her authority and do this. Um, his opinion, while it ruled for the city and basically said, as a matter of law, I cannot say that the city is overreaching its legal authority to do this, Remember, his decision didn't say it was a good idea or the right thing to do. He just said, I can't say that the city doesn't have the authority to do it because under the charter and law, I think they do. But he noted a couple things that I think are going to be the impetus for ongoing fights. Number one, he commented on the fact that you are going to lose a lot of the natural canopy with all of these very um, senior trees and other trees being cut down and no plan the city's contemplating now will replace all of the tree canopy on City Park Golf Course. So neighbors are going to respond to that. Number two, it was an interesting thing, is City Park Golf Course now is one of only two golf courses in the country that is on the Registry of Historic Places. And there is a distinct possibility that this project will cause it to lose that historic designation. So it, 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 it'll be one course, I think it's in Austin, that's left on the registry, which is another issue the neighborhoods have raised. So. We'll see the court battles continue, but I think part of what you're going to see now is the battle move directly to the city council administration level and people going to Happy Haynes saying, you know, the court said this is within your discretion. Why are you going to do this to your own neighborhood? Ramsey, let's go on that point. Does this become more of a, a PR uh, battle for the city and the council and rather than just waiting for the next lawsuit to come out? I think it will um, end up being a PR battle. I mean, this is just one... And this battle um, for City Park Golf Course is part of an overall battle when it comes to the I-70 expansion. Um, given the heated debates along that and how much controversy that's caused, this is, you know, even if this had been separate, it was going to be an issue. Now this is going to be wrapped up in all of this. Um, I definitely see certain members of City Council using this as another tool to find support and try to hammer away at that I-70 expansion. Um, even if the court rulings are done, even if 
uh, more appeals happen um, and the courts decide that Denver has a right to do this, it's still not going to go away, especially with city council. This is going to be something we're going to be hearing about probably as the trees are going down and then after. Both Vice President Mike Pence and U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson visited Colorado this week. On Thursday, Carson visited various Denver area housing developments, while Pence toured Lockheed Martin and Littleton and attended a Republican fundraiser in the Tech Center. Uh, David, Colorado is used to getting national visitors uh, of the political nature, so this isn't uh, a front-page news. But uh, Vice President Mike Pence uh, had a fundraise that made some headlines last week about the ticket prices. They were so in demand that the price was cut. And uh, there was a, a handmaid's um, a protest outside the area, which followed Vice President Mike Pence around the nation. Your reaction to this week's visits? Well, I think Ben Carson's visit is the truly significant one because he <clears throat> he visited the Mariposa Project uh, near Lincoln Park, <clears throat> excuse me, which is run by the Denver Housing Authority, and said this is great. This is a really innovative project. So, for example, it, it doesn't just provide housing; it helps people learn about credit repair. It has a jobs program for job training, so people can get jobs in, in the restaurant industry, among other things. He said this is excellent. We need. Thing, what he calls envision centers, similar to Denver's model, all over the country. And he also explained that there's so much paperwork from Housing and Urban Development, his cabinet agency, that it really it made it difficult for Denver uh, to get things started. And so what he wants to do is, is cut the paperwork and give the local governments more flexibility uh, to follow Denver's good model. I was, like, s somewhat confused initially when I saw for the, the Pence uh, event, these, these people showing up in what are, I, I looked it up, they're actually costumes based on the old Dutch cleanser uh, commercial lady uh, from the 1940s and 50s. You know, these huge long skirts and these gigantic bonnets where you like lose all your peripheral vision. Well, that's um, where the hands made tail got them? Because the, that, that's, yes, that's, that, that's where, where okay. Margaret Atwood says that, that's where she got the costume for her, her novel was based on, on that that logo, and of course, it's now one of the the top Halloween costumes this year. And so, obviously, you, you can understand why people who want to dress up like that would be protesting the the Trump administration. This is a guy who used to run beauty contests, where they have people come out in very skimpy bathing suits and things like that, and you know, and showing off their bodies. So he is the the last person in the world you would ever worry would make women wear too many clothes. Um, but you know, the, these old Dutch cleanser handmaids. You know, they're dressing up like women in Saudi Arabia and Pakistan where you have to be fully covered by law. And obviously Trump and Pence are completely against uh, Sharia law. So you'd understand why these people would be protesting against them. <laughs> Penn, you've been tossed a lot of odd segues, but connecting uh, a Dutch cleanser ad uh, to Sharia law, that's, that's up there. I'm not even that's going to try. There. So here's what I have <laughs> to say. You're, 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 your take I'm, on I'm the national visits David this David. week. So, um, <laughs> ben Carson, it, you know, it, it was sort of a big yawn because basically what he said is, gee whiz, um, the prior administration actually did something really good and they crafted policy that, that works and Denver Housing Authority used prior policy and look at what they've done and but I'll change the name and call it an Envision Center, and I'll eliminate a few forms, and then I'll take credit for it. Um, I'm glad he came to look. I'm glad he came to see. Maybe he won't be so um, hostile and, and motivated to disrupt something that his predecessor did when it works. 
And so hopefully they'll just stay out of cities and states' ways in that regard. And in terms of Mike Pence, I'm just inclined to yawn and turn him over to Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey, I'm not going to argue with that segue. Your reaction to what we saw either from Vice President Pence or from Ben Carson? Well, you know, I think one of the things that Carson also did while I was here, he's talked to mortgage uh, group and talked about trying to roll back some of the penalties for smaller um, issues when it comes to uh, applications for federally subsidized housing or for people trying to get those loans. So that could be interesting to see what that happens uh, moving forward. Um, as far as the Pence visit goes, I mean, the, the joke around the newsroom uh, was the, uh, you know, I wonder if they're going to start giving out hats as well uh, to get people to come in. Um, you know, maybe a two-for-one, you get a picture with a cutout, you get your, you know, maybe some uh, some cornhole uh, with a, a Mike Pence-themed cornhole set. Uh, it, it was, but moving beyond that, I think it really shows the, the lack of enthusiasm um, that the base is having, um, which is going to be a really big issue. I mean, Pence was here talking about his tax cuts. Um, I think it was the same day as the House passed a $4 billion budget measure. But people like uh, Representative Kim Buck, he voted against it. He was one of 20 Republicans to join all the Democrats in voting against it because of the uh, addition it would have to the, the, the deficit. So, you know, I think Pence coming here, the lack of response and trying to sell this tax cut is the thing that's keeping the Republican Party together. Um, I wasn't bored by it all. I didn't see it as a big yawn, but I think it um, more for... You know, I'm sure the speech wasn't that exciting. But moving forward, I think it is going to be exciting to see how this lack of fundraising, that whether it be in this instance or in other, um, in other major donor sort of situations, how this sort of plays to Republicans' chances in 2018. Mind um, you, Colorado is a lot different than Alabama or something like that, and it never was a Trump state. But it's going to be interesting to see later on how this plays out. I mean, the enthusiasm is not there. Patty, you have a lot to choose from here, whether it be Dutch cleansers, enthusiasm, or just yawning. So your, your choice. I'm going to return to Mariposa, which is a great project. Youth on Record is based there. They have a recording studio, the spinoff from the Flowbots, where they are teaching kids how to make music, how to record music. They have a restaurant that you can go to where they're teaching people the food industry. So it's really a great project that has no reason to thank Donald Trump. Let's hope that Ben Carson, who... He was kind of a like lucky strike extra. Who knew he was coming to town? But that um, it was a good thing for him to see. Pence, uh, I like the handmaids who were out there. We've got a great slideshow, very entertaining. They were very well behaved. It was a nice protest. A nice protest indeed. Well, let's get uh, a short take on this final topic. The Denver Police Union conducted a survey which about half of their members responded to this week. The result was an overwhelming vote of no confidence in Chief Robert White. City Council President Albus Brooks and Mayor Michael Hancock were quick to defend the chief and his reforms. Penn, uh, the, the headline is tricky. If it says the police union uh, historic vote that they've never done in 100 years, the voter no confidence against the, the chief. But there's more to it, right? Uh, a lot more to it. And, and I, I think the police union um, went down a dangerous path in doing this in the first instance. Um, number one, only a third of their membership participated. Um, and so, but th those who did, voted no confidence against the chief, but two-thirds of the people didn't even bother to participate. Number two, and I think what's more problematic for the union longer term is you can, you can begin to see the separation potentially along racial lines, um, which unions and labor has had a difficult time with, 
um, in recent history. And, and that's beginning to surface, I think, in terms of the, the, the dissatisfaction of the union and its leadership and the chief and some of the rank and file members. Because if you talk to some of the rank and file members, they will sort of insinuate that there's a certain cabal that runs the union and they don't like the chief, but a lot of other rank and file members f are fine and they actually thought we needed to have a, our stuff cleaned up a little bit here. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Ramsey, an overreach by the union? Um, I don't know if it's an overreach per se. I think this might be sort of trying to use an issue that um, the police chief has to score some points. Um, I mean, the, the case that this is based off of, in part, is the handling of um, a, a letter from former District Attorney Mitch Morrissey slamming uh, Deputy Chief Matt Murray for his uh, sort of involvement in a sexual assault case that involved a Denver police officer. So on the surface, you could make the argument that the union is just really upset that um, their administration is not being held to the same standard that any of their officers, their members would be. But at the same time, this is a way also to try and score political points and fight some of the um, changes and cultural changes that um, the chief has been trying to um, uh, make since he uh, joined several years ago. Um, it will be, I mean, there's, it's kind of hard to walk back from the union saying we have no confidence in our boss right now. But it'll be interesting how this plays out. I, I think this isn't the only time that the union is going to be making noise and using these type of incidents to try and score political points. Patty, uh, just a, a first shot over the bow we're going to see from the union. Oh, we're going to be hearing plenty more. There's a new class of police officers just being sworn in now, you know, because after the budget was, was renewed, you got more cadets coming in because we'd lost a lot of police officers for a while. So you can see it's going to be a time, there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position. You know, I don't think there's a more gossipy group uh, than, well, I wouldn't say the news reporters until you come to policemen. Though police officers are forever calling up and yet ratting each other out, but never really doing, saying anything you can use. And there really is a lot of concern over this whole Matt Murray incident. People are still questioning that, but I think Robert, Robert White will survive this. But we're going to see a lot more fighting. Dave, wrap it up for us. You know, it's hard to tell about a workplace culture if, if you don't work there. And, you know, from the outside with just a few spokesmen, you, you don't really know what, what the truth is. But certainly there was, there was something that had to be done with the Denver Police Department, you know, I think vast majority of really good officers, but there was a, a low-end class that was involved in a lot of unjustifiable violence and brutality, uh, some of which led to the city having to make large payouts. Let's get to our favorite part of the show now for 25 years, mm -hmm. Disgrace of the Week, and as always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. I am going to say something about the disgraceful messages that were sent to Albus Brooks, the city council president, very, very racist messages. As we've learned over the last few weeks, there's a lot of sexism out there. There's a lot of racism out there. Good for Albus Brooks. He posted it on his Facebook page. He, he addressed it head on and let people see how people are addressing the, the city council president. David. The 100th anniversary of the communist revolution in Russia, uh, which overthrew the democratic government there that had itself overthrown the czar half a year earlier. And even though the New York Times is celebrating that all year, uh, what we've seen from, from Lenin to Maduro has been always with communism, totalitarian darkness. As uh, President Reagan said, it is the focus of evil in the modern world. Penn. Uh, the continuing uh, systemic dysfunction in Congress. Uh, you know, it, it is disturbing that this, um, we, we've got this, this 
package that was just passed by, I think, four votes. Um, and it was so offensive that even folk like Ken Buck and others voted against it. The, the desire to be collaborative and inclusive and try to build coalitions is almost totally gone. And when, when John McCain, who's the conscience really of the body anymore, is trying to, to be the voice of reason and he's shouting by himself, you, you get really concerned. Ramsey. You know, since uh, State Senator Vicki Marble won't let the Boy Scout thing drop, I'm not going to let it be dropped either this week. Um, I think probably the easiest political rule that you could follow is don't get into a fight with the Boy Scout. Um, <laughs> you know, using it to slam the media again and saying we're dishonest. I just, this could have been over with just the quickest of, you know, hey, you he asked a tough question. I obviously don't support the decision to come out of this den, and I hope he has another one and be done with it. And so the fact that she's just using it to try and score points and try and make herself to see be the victim here, it just I don't quite understand what her end game on that is. Time to see something nice about somebody, Patty. I bashed Denver International Airport before, but I'm going to say something nice about the airport right now. It's the second anniversary of the CATS program, which is the canine dog therapy program. And if you've been out there and seen the dogs and seen the response passengers have to them, it's really kind of refreshing. They're pretty awesome. David. The CIO 25th anniversary program does a lot of justified celebrating of, of the producers and of the on-the-air folks, but the folks who are not on the air uh, really make a, a huge difference, and it's been always really out, outstanding uh, crews behind the scenes. Here, here. I second that, absolutely. Penn. Um, uh, David stole it, so I'm going to take, take that and, and take it in a little bit different direction, but um, thank you to the audience who have supported CIO for 25 years. Um, we wouldn't have been on the air 25 years if people hadn't shown an interest and a desire to watch local programming that dealt with local and sometimes national issues uh, of importance that impact, impact them every day uh, in their community. So thank you to the audience um, for your support. Couldn't agree more. Ramsey. You know, I'm going to praise uh, State Representative Diana Esgar coming out and um, talking um, about her own experiences dealing with sexual harassment uh, from fellow legislators even. Um, it's such an important movement for, for women to speak out and to truly make all of us understand the systemic issues that are there. So I just have to praise her for the courage to share what is a truly traumatic experience for her and to inspire others to tell their story as well. Yeah. Before we leave tonight, I want to comment about our big celebration tonight of our 25th anniversary. We premiered our documentary about Colorado Inside Out, as I said, at 7 p.m., and we'll encore it again at 9 o'clock tonight. Stay tuned for Devil's Advocate with John Caldera, who interviews Lynn Barles and Patty Calhoun with some awesome stories, and our producer, Gabriel Bryant, and yours truly about the show. And I also want to say a thank you to everyone involved in the documentary, the last 25 years of the show. It's a team that really makes it happen around here, and I am grateful for all their support. But I wanted to thank a couple of people who usually don't show up in the credits. I was able to become an intern in this program over 20 years ago, thanks to Barbara Jabaley, who was the producer uh, for hiring me, but also because of my two parents. John and Mary Ann were okay with me moving back in so that I could volunteer at a public television station. It wasn't exactly what you want to hear from your kid who graduated from college two years years before. But because of their faith in me and a whole lot of help from the people around here, I've had the chance to be a part of this amazing program. So thanks, Mom and Dad. That is all the time we have for this edition of Colorado Inside Out. As always, log on to our Facebook or Twitter pages for our CIO segments, past and present. You can also find our podcast. It is back on iTunes and Google Play. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.